the, we'll just take a, a look at a little something in first chapter of John. I like it when people say, I, I love the Word of God. That's, a, that's an encouraging thing, isn't it? <clears throat> We've been uh, sharing, and, and there's more to say on the subject, but I'm not going to do much this morning. Uh, we've been talking about uh, that tremendous theme in the Word of God that it seems like most of the church ignores or doesn't see. And that, that theme ties the life that Jesus was living on this earth with the life that you and I are called and enabled to live on this earth. Okay? And uh, it's not some weird doctrine that obscure religious groups make up, but rather it is the central theme of the New Testament. But there aren't that many that are willing to go there. And, uh, and, the, and one of the things, well, I think one of the, the strengths that we had in this move, I, still, I hope we still have it, was that, and, and I, I think this was embodied in Brother Sam's life and ministry especially, we want, or we wanted, the Word of God straight up. See, we understand that in different Christian traditions and denominations and so on, the Word of God has been uh, influenced by man's thinking. At their traditions have developed. There has come the, you know, the it's almost human nature. You almost can't help this. There's favorite scriptures. Different denominations have their favorite scriptures, and they, they emphasize their favorites to the exclusion of those that might <laughs> seem to say the opposite of their favorites, right? And so we have whole denominations that only take just a few verses out of this Bible. For example, and I don't mean any harm by this, but you take the Baptist church, for example, and they, it seemed like the only verse, that, the only passage that they, matters is John chapter 3. God so loved the world and you must be born again, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and when I was on the pipeline, I fellowshiped at a Baptist church and then eventually ended up ministering in the Baptist church. I love it. You know, but it <laughs> there's a whole lot more to this than just God so loved the world and you must be born again, right? And so, uh, so uh, it's important, I think, that we that no matter where the chips fall, you and I have to be willing to go for the word of God straight up. No, no influence of man. If 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 our move of God has developed traditions and traditional thinkings. Okay. We have to be willing to forsake those as well in order to get to the Word of God which is pure and uh, that law of the Lord which is perfect and clean and, and the things that were ministered uh, here today, the wonderful attributes of the Word of God. It would take courage. It would take uh, uh, yielding to the, to the Holy Spirit. It would take a, a stubbornness to not be influenced by religiosity, not be influenced by merely men's traditions, but go for what God hath said. Does that make any sense? And I believe it doesn't sound like it made any sense. And yet I, I don't want to go say all that again so that it makes sense. So we're just going to have to leave it where, where it stands. But when you, when you, if, that, if that's the way you feel, <clears throat> then when you read this New Testament, which was, which was our assignment, 
read at least read the Gospel of John and the Epistles, if not the whole New Testament. When you do, there's a chance that the Holy Ghost could show us these important things, right? And so, and there are, and, and the important thing ties my life with Christ's life. Whoa! See, and so I'm going to give you an illustration, and then I'm going to read John. Uh, and when we were talking the other day about uh, how, how Jesus emptied himself, but was still himself, right? He wasn't, he wasn't just a man like any other man, but yet uh, he came into this world as uh, the Lord from heaven, and he continued to be the Lord from heaven, but he did not function with the inherent powers of the Lord from heaven. I'll give you a proof for that, okay? Jesus said, greater works than I do will you do, right? So, by definition then, if you and I, by faith, could do greater works than he did, <laughs> then the works that he was doing, were de- he wasn't doing them but because of, of inherent divine powers, since you and I don't have inherent divine powers, right? And so what he was doing was, everything he did was by faith. Everything he did was by the Spirit. Everything he did was in the power and the unction of the Spirit as he obeyed the voice of the Father, okay? Uh, and so uh, how he ended up in that situation was he emptied himself of those divine advantages though he emptied himself he did not become someone other than himself he was still himself now i I say that because i want to give you this illustration to maybe help help see how that's possible this concerns my favorite missionary i've read a lot of missionary biographies a lot of biographies i hope you do uh they're they're better than uh, zane gray you know uh, the better than Louis L'Amour, okay. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, <laughs> some ways they're even better than National Geographic, all right. But uh, my favorite is C.T. Studd. Uh, C.T. was a rich kid. And I say C.T. was a rich kid, that could be the understatement of the century, okay. In C.T.'s backyard was a racetrack and a stable full of racehorses. In C.T.'s backyard also, and this is important, was a regulation cricket field. C.T. and his two brothers played cricket all the time. Uh, they became some of the greatest amateur cricketeers uh, that England ever produced. And there's actually a statue, I believe it's at Eton, uh, in commemoration of C.T., who was the best of the three brothers. His, their father had made a fortune in India raising indigo. And uh, he, very, very wealthy man, uh, one day went to a crusade in London held by D.L. Moody. And he gave his heart to Christ in that crusade. He came back home to the estate with a new plan, and his plan was that he would open his uh, property to itinerant preachers and have meetings and see if others could benefit like he benefited through Mr. Moody's ministry. And so uh, 
they had uh, meetings and itinerant preachers would come through. And after a time, one of these itinerant preachers got a hold of all three brothers at different areas of the house and led them to Jesus all on the same day. One brother over here, one brother over there, and another brother in the other end. And, and of, of the three brothers that got saved uh, that day, CT, it seemed to take the most seemed to change his life the most. And so uh, when he uh, went off to college, uh, Cambridge, uh, he, uh, with six others, became one of the Cambridge Seven who uh, joined Mr. Hudson Taylor in his China Inland Mission. Emphasis on the word inland. There were lots of missionaries in China who hung around the coast, that was, that's, that was the easy life of the missionary, but Hudson Taylor's plan was not to hang around the coast, but to go inland, live like the Chinese, look like the Chinese, <laughs> and to be able to truly relate to them. And so uh, it started a revival on both sides of the Atlantic when C.T. Studd and six others decided to leave the... Uh, uh, good, good prospects that were before them as uh, Cambridge grads uh, and go to China. Uh, they shaved their heads. They wore the traditional queue and uh, went to minister to uh, the Chinese in the inland regions. Well, on CT's 25th birthday, he received a uh, notice that the money that was his for his inheritance was uh, in the bank. It was in his account. Uh, it was now his. And if I remember correctly, you know, the, the sum was in today's dollars maybe seven or $800,000. Okay? So he knew the money was in the bank. He's in the, he's in the heart of China, right? But he was ready for this day. He actually had a little checkbook, and uh, he began to write checks. And he gave away money. He wrote a check to D.L. Moody's Institute. He wrote a check to the YMCA. He wrote a check to George Mueller. He wrote a check to all different kind of things and spent all the money. He gave it all away. And when he was asked why in the world he gave all his money away, he said, so that I could truly live by faith. So that it wouldn't be a pretend situation where I'm ministering to these Chinese people, I'm looking like them, but I'm not really like them. <laughs> that any time I'd get in trouble, I could, I could draw on something that they can't draw on. So how can I preach Christ and how can I preach faith to these people when I've got something other that I'm, that I'm drawing from? You know? And so he gave all that money away. And, uh, and the rest of his story is a very, very, um, it's, it's truly an amazing story. I should finish it. So can I finish it? He uh, had a great career in China and then had a second great missionary career in India because he felt that the very place where his father had made all the money in the first place deserved some payback deserved something from him. And so he went to India and was a missionary in India. Retired, I believe, from all that in his late 40s. And at the age of 50, uh, was in a church meeting where someone was testifying of the atrocities 
that were being committed in the heart of Africa. And how dark it was and how wicked not only the, the native people were, but how wicked the white man was who was trading in the heart of Africa. And C.T. <laughs> in the church service was praying, he said, Lord, why don't you raise up some of these young men to go there and to bring the gospel there? And the Lord said to him, I want you to go. And he said, <laughs> but I'm too old. I'm retired. The Lord said, I want you to go. And so C.T., his third missionary career, actually proved out to be the most significant and uh, started something called the Heart of Africa Mission. And not only was the Heart of Africa Mission successful, and I mean, the, the, what happened there is, is, is unbelievable, the anointing of God that was on what he was doing. I mean, just as one example... Nobody knew that this existed, but there actually had been a, there was a highway that was cut through the jungles that only certain uh, native people knew about. And, and, and uh, when, they, when they sensed the sincerity in Stud, then they, they took him to this highway place that was cut through the jungle, and they took him to this I don't know what you would call him, a chief, a king or something. And when he, when he, they were coming like in a big parade. Like they're bringing this guy. And, and the, the, the chief comes out and uh, sees what's going on. And uh, <clears throat> I forget the first few things that were said, but, but what, the, what the chief said was, we've been waiting for you, he says, because our prophecies are that one day a white man We'll come here with a book and we'll teach us how to get out of the darkness that we know we're in. <laughs> now, if he had just said, oh, I'm too old, I'm retired, I can't do this, I can't do that, send the young guy, those kind of things would have never happened. So the third, the third career turned out to be the most significant. By the way, the Heart of Africa Mission started a publishing house which was the original public publishing house that published the writings of Watchman Nee. So there's a complete worldwide influence that come from this guy, okay? And so, uh, so that, that's perhaps why he's my favorite missionary. But I tell you the story because <clears throat> C.T., in the middle of inland China, now he's broke. Now he's empty. But he's still him. He's still who? He's still C.T. Studd. He didn't become someone else. He couldn't become someone else. But he was himself empty of those advantages, the rich kid advantages. He was himself empty rather than himself full. In that, I see a little picture of Jesus. I see a little picture of he, of he who had all the glory who had everything, and not because anybody made him, not because anybody forced him, but be, because of love, because of redemptive love for you and for me and for, for all man. Uh, he laid those things aside, came into this world. He came in empty, but you see, he, 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 did not, he didn't come as, as someone else. He came as himself. Okay, now, la the last thing I want to do this morning, then to <clears throat> introduce an idea in the Gospel of John's first chapter, 
Gospel of John, chapter 1. <clears throat> and I'd be okay if read from verse 1, but be okay to read from verse 1? How do you not read verse 1? John 1, 1. <clears throat> and the reason I read this is because, I, as I've promised, we're going to transition from simply learning about Christ in what you might call Christology to the reason why you want to learn about Christ, and that is because, because of the great similarity between his life and our life, okay? And uh, basically, uh, Sister Barbara was asking me, she said, this, this series that you're talking about, what would you title it? And I said, I, I don't know. I'm looking for a, a, that biblical phrase that would be the best one. But so far, I think I'm going to have to settle for the generic term sonship. Sonship. Jesus is the Son of God, right? But as we pointed out, Luke chapter 3 tells us that Adam was the Son of God. See, there's more to this Son of God than most people, most people th- care to think about, all right? And it involves you and me and so, in a significant way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Then there's a transition. Now we kind of fast forward to, to, to Jesus on earth. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now see if I read this next verse right. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become Christians. Is that what it said? (laughs) To them gave he power to become Baptists. Pentecostals. Move of gods. No. But as many as received him. Let me ask you a question. Have you received him? Have you received Christ by faith? It's not a trick question. (laughs) But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's John 1. That's the beginning. (laughs) That's the introduction to the book. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Finishing the thought, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's so much wonderment. There's so much testimony in those words. But I just want to point out, and we'll talk about this in the future, but I just want to point out that the whole reason that you receive him is that you might be enabled, you might be empowered to become the sons of God. Now see, 
because the revelation of all of this was so new to us 40 and 50 years ago, uh, we got the idea that only people like us would be called to such a thing. And I suppose for the time then, that, that was fine to think that way. In other words, this is a calling, this sonship calling. Believe it or not, we used to talk about these kinds of things in this move of God all the time. Okay, This sonship calling you know, was, con- was, considered, uh, it was considered an elite thing. It was something that only certain Christians were called to do. Other Christians were only called to do go so far. But we, the great ones that we are, we are called to go farther, you know, and of course there's the 30 and the 60 and the 100 fold, and of course those poor schmucks, that's the 30s and the 60s, too bad for them, but we're, we're the ones that's called to go on to the 100 fold, as if the reason that few are chosen is because few are called. Now my Bible doesn't say to me that, that few are called, therefore few are chosen. My Bible, and it's an authorized version now, says many are called but few are chosen okay and of course the reason that the few are chosen is because the few that are chosen are the few that chose it's pretty simple right the reason they they're chosen is because they chose but anyway so had we read john 1 away back then straight up with an attitude straight up forget man's traditions Forget what filtered down to us from the North Battleford group about the sons of God, because they actually had a revelation of this before we did, okay, uh, and, and off, awfully pure, but still some, some, some things, right? Uh, we, would, we would have known from the beginning that really it is the calling of every single believer to be empowered Enabled by the Spirit of God to become a son of God. It's not just a few, though there, won't, there will only be a few that make it. Like the race we're talking about, only one wins the race, but there's plenty, plenty that have an opportunity to win it. And so I'll reread the verse that I'm done. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so that starts the idea that, that, that we're involved. Uh-huh.